Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounder. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. We're uh, doing something a little different today. Uh, I have asked Adam Bells of the Scuffed Podcast, uh, which is a U.S. national team-focused podcast that I highly recommend you check out. Um, I've found it to be super insightful and interesting. Uh, and I kind of wanted to get his perspective on uh, on the Sounders' place in the national team, on national team fandom in general. Uh, but anyway, with all that said, Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for recommending the podcast. Thanks for recommending my podcast. Appreciate yeah, it. no, and it's, I, I mean, I say this in all, uh, in all sincerity and I uh, apologize for any background noise that's coming in here. Uh, but I, 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 I want to say I started listening in earnest in the last year or so. And it went from in my personal journey was going from, I don't understand why anyone would follow the national team <laughs> essentially as like a club to like, yeah. oh, I consume, I, I listen to every podcast and I like highly enjoy it. Uh, like almost, it was like almost an over, and I wouldn't say like I followed the national team as a club, but like, I, I, I think I appreciate the mindset. Yeah. I, that's a, that's a high compliment. Yeah. We make, I mean, we do make fun of ourselves on the podcast a lot. Yeah. For I think it's part of what I enjoy so much, it. so much attention to the, to a team that only plays every once in a while, you know? Well, and that's, you know, that's a good place to start. I, I am curious. Do you see what you're doing as, as treating the national team like a club? Is that, is that a fair way of, of, of describing it? I've never actually thought about it in those exact words, but, um, but I, I guess it's not far off, you know, I mean, like when, when they're not, when the national team is not playing, you know, over the last three years that this podcast has existed, we've, we've spent our time talking about the players who are eligible for the national team and how they're doing with their clubs. So I guess, I guess that's a good way to think about it. You know, like um, if somebody's doing, if somebody's doing really well at in Seattle, a young player is playing really well in Seattle or a young player is playing really well at RB Leipzig or something. I mean, we'll be talking about that if they're U S eligible. Do you find yourself invested in, in club results though? Like, do you care if RB Leipzig is, is doing well with when Tyler Adams is there, or do you really only care how Tyler Adams plays as an example? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, I like to see the teams where Americans are playing and playing key roles. I like to see those teams win for sure. Um, but you know, if, if Adams has a fantastic game and Leipzig, loses that is definitely better for me than if adams plays terribly and they win you know so you probably aren't emotionally invested in those results as much as you are like you would like to see them win more than not but you're not like you're not you're not sitting there fussing over i mean maybe rb leipzig was a bad example because of jesse marsh's involvement which i don't know we can get into but 
um like that's a it kind of changes the equation i imagine but you're like you're not sitting there worried about how young boys is doing because of no no i mean emotional investment is a funny thing i mean i probably get a little bit more emotionally invested in like mls teams than i do in european teams it's much i think it's much it's a much colder calculus with like an rb leipzig but like i always kind of root for fc dallas because they they produce so many u.s players but they also kind of suck so yeah um that's a i'm sort of trapped in that a little bit but uh yeah yeah i go for the team i i I root for the mls teams that i i feel like are are producing a lot of u.s players you know and so right now that does seem to be fc dallas i suppose philadelphia union maybe are, are in there what are the other teams that you find yourself paying more attention to in mls I mean, I'm not just trying to curry favor here, but I do, I do try to pay some attention to Seattle. Like um, I, you know, Josh Atencio and um, Daniel Leva were still are in many ways, exciting prospects. Um, And then of course there's Roldan and and Jordan Morris who are national team regulars. Who else do I pay attention to? I mean, Atlanta, because of George Bellow, he, you know, there was a lot of shine on him for a while. Miles Robinson. Yeah. Uh, Brooks Lennon. I think less exciting to the fan base, but still, you know, a, a good player. Um, and it's, it's very, it becomes very targeted. It's like who, who's, who could fill Brad a spot. On. You can't forget about Bragg who's on everyone, every national team fans, favorite goalkeeper, right? That's right. That's right. I mean, it, it does become pretty targeted. It's like, do we, we need a backup six. How, how does that kid in Columbus look, you know, Aiden Morris, like, is he any good? Um, so it, it becomes kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, it, it's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting journey uh, that I, I'm sure you're going through on that. And I, I think it on the, on the same token, do you, do you find yourself emotionally invested in, in friendlies? Like, I, I mean, I listened to your post Bosnia podcast and you seem pretty, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Well, when you look at friendlies, especially friendlies that are sort of outside a international window like that one, do you, do you find yourself like really caring about the result? Hmm. No, but no, not that much, but I do want to see, like when I watch a game like that, I want to see certain things. I want to see, uh, I want to see the team playing well. Uh, you know, that specific result isn't the, that big of a deal for me but you know i i will say i've matured a little bit on that front in the last couple <laughs> couple of years because because you know for like three and a half years that's all we got was friendlies you know that didn't mean anything so um to sit there you know i was at the game in cincinnati when we, when we beat mexico 2-0 and like the the level of intensity to experience that for the first time since i started this podcast was pretty remarkable you know and um and it does put like this game against Bosnia in a new perspective for me. So I, I didn't, I'm glad to see, see that we won. I'm in part because I don't want to see this huge like backlash on the internet about it. If we had lost to Bosnia or drawn to them, but um, didn't care that much, honestly. It is funny. Once you get into these spaces of covering the teams, I've found this too, that you do sort of start to dread the, the negative reactions because you end up, being involved in it so much like it's like you almost become the sounders are huh you almost become like a target yeah 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 no i mean like i was saying this how 
when the Sounders went out of the playoffs, you know, they, they lose in penalties to RSL and it's very frustrating, but you, you can kind of easily talk yourself into like, yeah, but they were the better team, whatever. And I was thinking like, wow, if we had gone out around later the way that sporting Kansas city did, where you get outplayed at home, there'd be a full blown meltdown. And it's like, yeah, I'll take the, I'll take losing on round earlier just so I don't have to deal with the meltdown at the yeah. end of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it. I mean, it can be, we, we could spend a whole episode talking about USMNT Twitter, but I mean, it can get really, it can get really intense on there during games. I mean, people's reactions are, are emotional and, you know, like if, if somebody makes a poor touch in the first five minutes, like say goodbye to his career, you know? Um, so I, I do kind of, I do, I've started to tune that out a little bit. Well, that dovetails actually really nicely into part of the, one of the main reasons I wanted to talk to you is I, I, I think it's just interesting to explore this and I don't expect you to have answers, definitive answers. Uh, but the U S national team fans relationship with the Sounders, I think is interesting because the Sounders obviously have a pretty vocal, large online fan base. Yeah, And so it's like kind of like two big armies sometimes meeting on the battlefield when it comes to talking about players like Christian Roldan or, or, you know, like a year ago, uh, prior to his injury, Jordan Morris was also sort of uh, a much bigger kind of point of contention. And I think they're operating on different scales of where they are in the hierarchy. I think a year ago, it was really, is Jordan Morris a bang on starter for this team? Uh, I don't think anyone really doubted that he had a place in the team, had a place in the squad. Whereas Christian Roldan is more like, this is a debate over the 25th player on the roster uh, type situation. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, let's start with Roldan because I think he, he's kind of illustrative of, of this point from the last game where, you know, you look at, look at foot mob. They had him as like the second highest rated player in the game for the, in the whole game, I guess uh, you look at some of the, you know, the ratings that, um, you know, like MLS soccer put together and he was, you know, like a seven, seven and a half, something like that. Uh, and then you, you read the comments from fans and it's like, he's the worst player on the field. He gave the ball away every single time he touched it. Uh, and it's like, you know, his first pass was a, you know, I, I watched an all touches video of him and his, his first pass was like an attempted incisive pass that got cut out. Right. And it's like, Oh, well, every pass in, so in people's minds, it's every pass was like sideways. Yeah. Sideways. And, um, and anyway, I'm just curious, like in Christian rolled on, what do you make of this debate? Like, is it like where, and where do you, like, what, what do you think it is about Christian rolled on that drives people crazy? Oh man. Whew. Let's see. I think, I think, uh, I think he's one of Burhalter's guys. So I think that's, I think that, as an, a layer of emotional charge to it um, for, for some people, uh, you know, he's not a, he's not a flashy player. He's a humble guy. He's like a, he's like a, he's like a head down hard worker kind of player. Um, Everyone's favorite teammate, probably like yeah, I doubt you can find yeah. anyone in the national team that will say a bad word about. Right. Yeah. I've even like seen him in the mix zone. Uh, before where he's like he's like definitely he's like dignifying every human he comes in contact with you know yes. like he, he's a very nice person seems to me I, you know better than i do but, no he um, uh, that's a hundred percent like if he is not that way like in his heart he is he is doing the best fake it till you make it thing uh like all time like it's 
unreal yeah. like he, how engaging he is with people in that way but yeah. go on it is noticeable i i think i've seen it like twice and i was like wow that's that's something else um but you know i do think he is you know you, you see like a musa McKenney adams midfield against mexico and i think there is like definitely i mean i don't think anybody would disagree there's a step down from that from those guys to to roll on um but yeah, there's I, I I watched the game on Saturday and I thought Roldan was like pretty good for I mean with all the caveats that you you need to throw on there like it was the Bosnia C team uh it was a it was a pretty low stakes affair a very low stakes affair but like he didn't just pass pass sideways he was involved in like most of the dangerous stuff that we produced in the first half and um I don't know I think there's I think there's a certain level of like. Burhalter's bad. MLS is bad. The, the MLS something is like why Burhalter's the coach, and like this is all corrupt. And like Roldan is a, I'm I'm saying this is like the view that's out there is not my view, but this I, like no, I'm this, following you. Yeah, this, this is all corrupt, and like the only re- reason Roldan gets to play is because he's is he's like Burhalter's guy, and and then it, there also is some truth to the fact that Roldan is a step down from the first choice midfield or the first choice wingers. So you roll that all in together and like people just go nuts over his, uh, his performances and in a way that I think is way over the top, but, um, well, that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's all I got for that right now. No, I think, and I think that's fair. I, I am curious if you, do you think it's inherent in that debate over the back end of the roster though, that, there's just going to be this inherent sort of uh, conflict between fans who want to see probably the highest upside player possible be occupying that spot versus a coach's desire to maybe have the lowest or the, the highest floor, you know, yes. right. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that's to be fair to the rolled on critics. I think that's the, I think that may be the main thing in this game against Bosnia. They'll say, Roldan's gotten a lot of chances with the national team. We know who he is. Um, and we need to try out different players at that position. I th- that's something I left out in my, what I was just saying. That's a big part of it for people is like, there's an opportunity cost in, in their, in their eyes of Roldan getting these minutes in the midfield. And that's even like stuff, something we say on our podcast about Roldan, you know, like Greg, yeah. Greg, I think, and I think you're, your, your co-host, Greg Velasquez, who I think is, is honestly like has some genuinely insightful stuff. I, I find like, I don't agree with him all the time, but I, I think he does a really good job of backing up his opinions with like either data or, or observations that are coming from a soccer minded person, like not just some dude watching games on the internet. Uh, and I appreciate that. And I, I know he's someone who is, I think he's pretty realistic about Christian's uh, ceiling and he's probably realistic about his floor. I think it's just a debate about whether or not you want a player that fits within this real, relatively small window of floor and ceiling versus a player who has their window is much bigger where they maybe have a, a higher upside, but their, their floor is so much lower. Um, and yeah. it's an interesting, I think it's an interesting thing. And it just, I do kind of appreciate Burhalter though, seemingly feeding into it by giving Christian the 10 uh, Jersey, which <laughs> I, I can't help but feel like it's a troll uh, because he's done it a bunch of times and Christian does not play a 10 at all uh, for certainly for the national team. Um, and I, I kind of feel like 
I almost wonder if Christian has taken that jersey as a way of saying, like, yes, I will accept the criticism. It would be a disaster to give this to uh, someone who is more obviously deserving because they would be pilloried as well. Yeah, it's like he's bearing a cross almost. Right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, well, like I don't know who who would be. Yeah, if you give it to, I don't know. The U.S. doesn't really play with a ten. I guess is part of the problem, right? Yeah, I mean, he was as much of a ten in that game on Saturday as the U.S. will have. You know, like right. really cook, cooking in that half space. But I, I do think, yeah, he. Th- there was some. We had some frustration that there weren't more eights brought into the. I mean, he played as a like a nominal eight, right? Right. We had some frustration that there weren't more eights brought into this camp to test out like a, maybe even a pax and palm call. And, um, and then when he, when the game arrives and it's rolled on and Acosta at the eight players that we've seen a lot of um, for the national team, I think that that increased the frustration for a lot of people. So, and then the other player who I, I, I think I've, it was interesting to see Jordan Morris's reception in this camp, because I felt like it was more positive than I'm used to seeing the discourse uh, around Jordan B because it at times can be pretty equally toxic. And I think that there's people on both sides of the aisle that are sort of feeding that uh, maybe in good faith and maybe not in good faith. Uh, but because the, the stakes of Jordan Morris's place in the team, I think are a little higher. Like this is a player who theoretically could be a starter, like even in, in, in these world cup qualifiers maybe even theoretically in uh in qatar but he's also someone who has a lot of ground to make up and someone who you know he hadn't played he hadn't earned a a national team cap in two years when he when he showed up in this camp and uh and and like the upside is clearly there and it'll just sort of be interesting to see where he you know how fit he can get and how how sharp he can get uh in this relatively small window but I don't know. Where do you see Jordan Morris's place in the national team at this point? Uh, I think he's, I think he's like maybe the first, the first winger off the bench, you know, like there's a good chance of that. He uh, he's, let's see, he's, he's a player who can beat people, you know, he can, he makes stuff happen. Uh, he's a game changer. I think everybody, every national team fan knows that. And uh so the question is like, who's he gonna who's he gonna displace in the winger depth chart? Probably not Christian Pulisic, uh, probably not Tim Weah at this point. But after those two, oh, and Gio Reyna, he's he's got a spot, you know. And I think there's a there's a there's a there's a possibility that Gio Reyna could play in the midfield. I mean, we haven't heard that from Berhalter, but we would some of us would like to see that. And um, so I think like he's right there. Uh, competing with Brendan Aronson for that for that third or fourth spot, depending on where you put Gio Reyna in the, on the field. So, in your, do you imagine like you? It sounds like you would maybe expect him to certainly be in contention for a World Cup roster spot, but maybe even a significant role. Definitely in contention. Uh, uh, you know, barring barring an injury, another injury. Which boy, if if he has another injury, God has something against him. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, he's definitely in contention. And I think, you know, if he gets back to his, his like pre-injury form, I think he's on the playing. Yeah. Um, we don't rate, I don't rate, I, I won't speak for Greg, but I don't rate Brennan Aronson as highly as a lot of people do. And I think 
I think if it's between those two and it's like Jordan Morris at his, at the performance level that he was at before he got injured this most recent time versus Brendan Aronson, I'm taking Jordan Morris. Yeah, no, that's me personally. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that's, that's fair. Uh, I mean, Jordan was playing almost like MLS MVP level before he got hurt. Uh, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how he comes back from this because he, you know, he didn't, it was a, it, he came back faster than I think a lot of people expected. You know, he got to end up playing in four matches uh, if you include the friendly and the playoff game. And, you know, I thought like he, he showed a lot of the stuff that we, I think he was showing a lot more of his old self against Bosnia than he had shown in any of the Sounders games that he had played in. And it'll be interesting to see what he can do. You know, if, if he's, if he can get kind of back to his, to that level, because it was a, it seemed like it was a very high level and, you know, and, and part of why I expected that he was going to, when he got that loan to Swansea, I thought that was the last he'd be in Seattle for a while. Like I, I really expected him to do well there. Uh, and I wonder, it feels like we've sort of moved beyond this debate a little bit. And I, I think there is certainly people that are still having it, but do you think playing in Europe and by Europe, I don't mean necessarily like top five, like top teams and top five, like no one's going to debate that if you can be, if you have players playing at Barcelona and Chelsea and Juventus, like that's saying something, but like playing at, uh, you know, RB Salzburg. Salzburg, is that like, are we at the point now where it's not, that's maybe not quite as important as like, it's not such a negative to be an MLS as opposed to like a lower tier European team. I don't know. I think, I mean, like Salzburg plays Salzburg is an interesting case because they play a very low level of competition week in week out in their league, but they're also in champions league and they just advanced to the, the, the knockout rounds of champions league. So they're, they're going to, you know, they're in the big dance mm-hmm. and um, I, but yeah, I think, I think it's just got to be a case by case thing. You know, uh, you got to take it case by case. Uh, I, I'm not, conv- I'm not sure. I disagree with the people who say like, including Dan hunt that Ricardo Pepe should stay in MLS another season just to like ensure his spot so that he's, you know, prepared to go to the world cup in 2022. I'm not sure I disagree with that because he could end up going to like AC Milan or something. I mean, that, that, that was one rumor that was, right, yeah. I'm not saying that that's real, but he, like, let's say he went to AC Milan. There's a decent chance he would just be sitting on the bench. Look what happened to Brian Reynolds. The, you know, he was like a, he was a top level right back in MLS for FC Dallas for half a season. He gets bought by AS Roma for $10 million. And now he's like totally frozen out to the point where they let him go for a, a friendly when there wasn't an international window. You know, which is like kind of the the highest insult to a player. So you're you're so unimportant to us that that you, we we would just go get games with the net, like fly across the world and play in a game in L.A. as opposed to uh, hanging out yeah. with us here in in Rome. But yeah, uh, yeah no, it's an it, that that is an I think that's a like, and I think that's one of the things I appreciate about your podcast is that you understand like there's a nuance there that it's not. Because I feel like for a long time, U.S. national team discourse had become, if you're not going to Europe, and it didn't matter where, sometimes it felt like it didn't even matter where. Like, right. I, you could be playing in Norway, and that's better than playing in MLS. And I never really understood that mindset. 
because it, it just felt like, well, clearly MLS is at a higher level than the league games in, um, in the vast majority of European countries, not Germany, not, you know, not England, not Spain, not Italy. Uh, right. But still like, it was just, it drove me crazy. And I, I feel like we, we, your show for sure, I think understands that nuance and I think maybe in general that has helped U.S. national team Twitter maybe understand the nuance a little bit better. But uh, <laughs> you, you, you know, you know, you mentioned uh, Josh Atencio and Danny Leva. Do you do you think that either one of them really have national team potential? I think uh, Leva is going to have to. You know, he's he, his physicality is going to have to evolve in a way like in a pretty significant way, like he's going to have to get quicker. And I don't know if that's possible. You know, does that happen to a human at, at his age? I'm not sure, but, but I, I love his, I love his like soccer IQ, his, like his ability to pass the ball. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if he's going to have the athleticism to play for the national team. And honestly, I think that's the, we were talking about this a couple of days ago. I, that, I think that's the diff, that's maybe the key difference between Christian Roldan and say Eunice Musa. Like I know Roldan, uh, you know, he's a warrior. He's a warrior for Seattle and he's a warrior for the U S but he does get, we use this term a lot. He does tend to get little brothered in international games in a way that like a Tyler Adams or a Eunice Musa doesn't. And yeah. I th- that, that may be the main difference between him and them, you know? Um, I don't know. So uh, to answer your question, Leva's got to get quicker and faster and stronger. Um, I think Atencio's maybe, maybe the path is a little, is a little more clear for him. Um, he's not super fast, but he's like, uh, I don't know. He has good leverage or something like he, he, he does. And he covers a ton of ground. That's kind of one of Atencio's things is that he, like I'm, I'm always remarking at how much ground he covers in a game without necessarily it looking like he's just like hustling everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and he's uh, gotten he's gotten quite a quite a bit more opportunity in the last year than than Leva has with Seattle too, right? Yeah, he, ha- he certainly in high leverage sort of situations. Like he's gotten like I feel like Leva's chances oftentimes have come when they're like rotating the lineup, whereas Atencio's chances have oftentimes come with closer to first choice yeah. teammates. Um, and it's interesting to me that he hasn't been a bigger part of the national team at the youth or the, like, I'm not surprised he's not been called into the senior national team really, but yeah. I've been a little surprised that he hasn't been, had a bigger role in the, in the youth setup. Uh, I know he's had some call-ups, but it's an, I, I think he's got the higher upside and it'll be interesting to see how he, he evolves. Uh, you know, he would be a very interesting player, especially as like a, in like a three back set. Cause he's, he's got like, I think his, his game fits very nicely into that. Uh, he has the position. height to play center back too. Right. You know, the real dorks, the real national team dorks are uh, talking about Reed Baker whiting. Yeah. Like yeah. Oh five, which yeah. I, I have to admit, I haven't seen any, uh, seen any, not many people that. have, <laughs> <laughs> but like, there's a bunch of people who are like, man, this guy's, this kid could be really good. So. Yeah. It's, I, I he's an interesting one. Uh, <laughs> and we, even on this, on this podcast, we've mentioned him many times, but it's like, we don't get to see him a lot. Like he, even at the, like he's played some with the defiance, but he, he hasn't put in performances that like suggest like, Oh, this guy is a, a stud, but you can see, you know, his IQ sometimes. And you can, you can kind of see 
what I, I can understand what people see, but I'm also waiting to see him put it together a little bit more. Um, but I, I understand, I definitely get that people are excited about him. I guess he's like on, he's like training with Real Sociedad right now, I think. Oh, really? Uh, cool. Yeah. Uh, at least that was the, the rumor I heard. I think maybe even it was reported that that was the case. But in any case, yeah, it's an interesting, the Sounders have an interesting place in the national team right now, I think. Uh, they've, you know, they've put a lot of money into investing in, in their youth setup. Yeah, I was and, just going to say that. Like, Lagerway's done everything right on the right. academy side, right? And eventually, there's going to be another star coming up. You'd think. Yeah, you'd think. Um, yeah, the other one that's been interesting to see the debate around is DeAndre Yedlin, who um, it's just like his his he's he's gonna it's it's just so fascinating because you know this is a player who burst onto the scene in 2014. You know he he was the young kid that got added to the to the roster, and then he make he has that performance against Belgium where everyone's like losing their mind. Yeah, and and he's sort of and he's like made a career for himself in Europe, but, and he's, and he's probably going to end up with something close to like a hundred caps. And yet I, I don't feel like we really, he's like also part of this lost generation of the U S national team that kind of fell, you know, he was on the young side for 2014, but then he, and he, he was hurt obviously during a lot of the 2018 qualifying, but then that was sort of his, his generation was 2018. And obviously they missed the world cup. And now that we, we've kind of passed over this whole generation of players to the point where, and I, and this is probably where we'll, we'll close out, but do you feel like we've spent enough time really marinating in this idea that we've successfully rolled out a U 23 lineup as our senior lineup. And we are still like, like if like, there's still this sense that maybe we're underperforming and woke up qualifying, even though we're, you know, right there at the, at the top of the table. Yeah. I, I don't know that I, you know, our podcast is like devote has been devoted to this new generation. Like that's been the whole, the whole reason for its existence. And I still don't know that I still have to stop sometimes and say, wait a second. Like we have like three 18 year olds in our first choice, first choice starting a lineup and like everybody else is 22 or 21. It's, um, you know, with a couple of exceptions, Yedlin's often in the starting lineup. He's what, 26, uh, so no, I don't, I don't think we've marinated enough in it. Like I, I, uh, I think it's a, it's a truly wonderful thing. And, um, and yet there's still a path for us not to qualify for the world cup, you know, at this point, like we're one, for point, sure. ahead of, we're one point ahead of the fourth place team. And, um, and like, we talk about, we use the term all the time on our, the phrase on our podcast, great against the optimal we're grading against the optimal. So like, that's why we can get a little upset at Baralter's decisions in this Bosnia friendly or whatever. Um, because the optimal, I think the optimal is probably better than where we're sitting in the table right now. Like we, we, sh- yeah, I don't know, you know, it's a soccer is a funny game and there's weird I stuff mean, happens, but yeah, the drop points against Canada, I think, or, and the drop points against, uh, against Honduras or, or not Honduras against uh, yeah, El, Salvador El Salvador yeah are gonna and and I guess Panama too uh are gonna are, are they you can't help but like stew on those if we had just gotten a draw against Panama we'd be we'd be sitting in a much better spot today but we couldn't do it and we played really we played really badly in that game so I don't know I think we'll be all right 
but I, but I, I, to answer your question, yes, it's like a, it's a, it's a super exciting time to be a national team fan. I think there, it, and we, we should come out of this world cup. Hopefully we go to it and uh, do all right. And we should come out of it feeling like really good about 2026 when we're going to have the world cup on our soil. So. Um, and a lot of these kids are going to be not just like grizzled veterans, but they're going to be like in the primes of their career. They're going to like all these guys that are in their early twenties are going to be in their mid 20s it's crazy to think. Yeah. 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 I mean, Pulisic and McKenney will be the old guys at 26 when we go to the 20, 26, 27, when we go to the 2026 world cup. Yeah. It's a, I'll tell you, it's an exciting time. I think to be a national team fan, both because of the present and the future. And, and I don't know how, how certainly I don't think in my time following American soccer that or soccer that we've had a, a team that sort of combined those two, like where you can see the present with so much excitement. And, and, and it's also funny to think about how two years ago, it felt like we were in the wilderness and, and we didn't know where we were going. And, you know, we were, when Greg got hired, it was such a controversial situation. And yeah. Anyway, it's, it's been an well, amazing journey, and I think that your podcast has been a, a really useful guide uh, through that journey. Uh, so, thank you, Jeremiah. I I, I want to say one other thing about the um, you know, about the like go to go to Europe at all costs contingent. I we we do not we maybe did engage in some Jordan Morris dog jokes back in the early days of the podcast, <laughs> but we don't do that anymore. We don't do that anymore. <laughs> I've, I've, uh, I've sworn off the jokes about Jordan Morris and his dog. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, uh, it's, it makes for good online banter in any case. Sure. Yeah. I wonder if he and Jermaine Jones have ever talked about it. Oh man. I doubt it. I really doubt it. Jordan is not a contra, contra, con, confrontational guy. The funny thing about Jordan, I don't know how many times he's even had a real conversation with Clint and they were teammates. Yeah. Like I, I always got the impression that he was pretty intimidated by Clint. And I wow. think that Can't was part him. of the, like, I think Clint was more than like Clint's to me strikes me as the kind of guy that's like, man, if he's intimidated by me, he can't hang. Um, and I don't know. And I think that's, that's speak, like, I, I think what, like around the Jordan Moore stuff, and I don't want to get too deep in this, but my thing about him has always been like, I think he needed to make the choices that were right for him. And I think we oftentimes get wrapped up in, the idea that everyone needed to go to Europe and there weren't that each player didn't need to like make the choice that made the most sense for their career path. And I guess all along what I've been saying is like every, every one of these players has to make the choice that's right for them. And we can't as a fan base get too wrapped up in like the meta uh, narrative of like, everyone needs to go there. And that's all like, like there's like, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. There's just pitching prospects. Right. Right. Uh, like you can't get too invested in any one player turning into the next, uh, you know, messy because you, you got to have a bunch of like really good pros and be less focused on having the one star. Uh, yeah. And I think, I think, I, I think we're getting there. I think we're getting there. I, I think we do want like our most talented players. If they have the opportunity to go to like a good club situation in Europe to do that. But like, if you're going to make, if you can make $850,000 a year playing soccer and live in like Seattle, one of the, like, I actually don't know how much money Jordan Morris makes. It's, it's somewhere. Now he's that, actually right? making like one five. 
Okay. Well, even, I mean, if you can do that and live in Seattle, one of the nicest cities in the world and um, like, yeah, of course, you know, it's either that or go to, if it's either that or go to Freiburg and like battle with somebody from Croatia for like the, for, for winger minutes um, and have no friends and like really bad food. And I don't know, you know, it is, I I'm just saying, I agree with you. It's like, there's a, there's a lot that goes into these decisions. Well, and I, I think, and kind of to the point I'm making is that for Jordan Morris, I don't know that we're going to get the best version of Jordan Morris. If he goes to Freiburg and is in that situation, we might get the best version of Joe Reyna if he goes, because I think they're just built different, right? Like, I think what we want to do is get the best out of each player. Mm-hmm. And I, and I just don't think at 21 years old that Jordan was ready to go to Werder Bremen and like fight in a relegation battle. Like, I just don't think that was going to be the best for his development. And, um, you know, I think, you know, Jermaine Jones looked at himself and said, no, that would have been great for my development, mm-hmm. but like every, every player isn't Jermaine Jones. Right. Uh, and like, we're seeing it with someone like with Josh Sargent, like who knows, like, is, would he have been better if he had just signed with sporting Kansas? Like, would he be farther along in his development if he was kicking ass in MLS and, uh, and dominating guys at sporting Kansas city, instead of, you know, doing you know kind of being the anti jordan morris and going over there and and sort of getting lost in yeah. you know in, in bigger clubs but um i mean i don't know we don't know but anyway. we don't know yeah like would he would josh Sargent even be kicking ass if you were playing in sport yeah we don't, don't yeah, exactly know, you know um, i mean or would he be uh andrew carlton right now was like at the time the higher prospect right right <laughs> andrew carlton yeah he's like he's like on a beach in costa rica somewhere right now right <laughs> serving drinks right i uh, yeah uh anyway but adam I, one last I really one last thing one, let me say oh, yeah, one last go thing. Ahead. so that that controversy may rear its head again you know like imagine conrad de la fuente does really well for marseille in the next six months and brendan aronson maybe brendan aronson levels up a little bit and Berhalter is going to have to choose between, you know, those three players for one spot on the world cup roster. It's if it, if he chooses Morris, this, this same whole debate is going to come back, back up again, you know? And, Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I, I think there's, I think you're, you're totally right. And I think it's, it's warranted. All I would say is I hope that the debate ends up being on the merits of their play and not on like, well, Conrad de la Fuente is doing it in league one and, Jordan Morris right. is doing it in MLS. Like that's, I just feel like that's where we lose track of the debate where it's like, look, like let's, let's judge what they're doing on their, on their own merits. And we know who knows. We'll see. Yeah. 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 I just think I'm just, all I'm saying is I think it might, it might. Oh, come back I'm sure. Again. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't think we're beyond it. I'm just saying, I, I think we're, I think we're having a more nuanced conversation. I think is all. Uh, and I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. Not you and I necessarily, but like, the meta conversation I feel like is becoming a little bit more nuanced. And I think that you're, you're a big part of that, but um, anyway, uh, I really appreciate you, uh, you coming on. Uh, I hope you have a good holiday. You too. Uh, and uh, happy new year. And I'm really looking forward to what 2022 looks like for the U S national team. I think it can be a lot of fun. Yeah. Come, come meet us in uh, St. Paul for that February. TV. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole another thing but anyway uh all right well uh thanks for doing this adam uh my pleasure everyone listen to scuff podcast give it a try 
They have some good stuff on there. Uh, they debate things like who's the coolest player on the team uh, while also digging into the X's and, X's and O's. It's, it's all over the place. I think it's a lot of fun. I think people that listen to this podcast will probably find uh, some like-minded uh, commentary. Uh, so uh, I just want to say, uh, give it a shot and, uh, and, and support independent media like that too. I think it's super important. So thank you, man. All right. Uh, and that's it. I'll, uh, that's the center at heart podcast. I'm Jeremiah Shan uh, signing off on behalf of uh, me and Adam bells and uh, we'll catch you next time.